This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Danielle Simone Brand wrote Weed Mom in December 2020, published by Ulysses Press. I've been following Danielle for a few months now on Instagram. She is a deeply loving mom, a yogi. She's really cute. And she flew into New York all the way from Boise, Idaho to talk to us today. I mean, like a day in mom life without doing mom life is a long time. This is the first time I've ever left my husband alone with the kids when there wasn't like a mother-in-law there to help. Wow. Or, or somebody. How old are the kids? Well, that, now they're nine and almost 12. Okay. So. And it's the first time you're leaving it? It's the first time. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm leaving them. Well, well, my husband, well, Avi had to work. Yeah. Name's yeah. Avi. Uh-huh. Tell me where you live. Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho. Like a nice Jewish family in Boise, Idaho. What's that about? <laughs> well, we were part Maybe of that. Maybe you're not like, that nice, actually. From California. I, I, I don't want to make any assumptions. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're not that nice. Yeah. Just kidding. Um, so we were we were part of that like flight from California that's oh. been happening for the last couple of years. Oh. And we were living in San Diego. Lived in <gasps> DC before that, so we've definitely moved around. But um, San Diego is a great place to start writing about weed and really? experimenting with weed. And then we moved to smoking a, weed. And smoking weed. Yeah. And then um, but Boise is I mean, Idaho is prohib prohibition total. There's oh. no no cannabis except for no for- cannabis. What does that mean for you as a we as the weed mom? What does this mean? <laughs> it means for you? that I try to find line, an interesting line. So I'm an very, illegal line. An illegal line. So wow. I'm very public on the internet. <gasps> I'm not very public in my personal life. What does that mean? Like, like at school, pick up and drop off. Like, well, it, we've been there in the pandemic, so everything's been odd and weird, wow. and there's just been less parental, you know, parental interaction and all that. So I know it's such a funny space. I usually, when I meet someone, I will feel them out a little bit, um, you know, like a new, um, one of my kids' new friend's parents or something. I will take like 20 minutes to get to know them before I say, oh yeah, I write about weed. (laughs) And that's what you write about primarily beyond your book. It is, Which yeah. came out in December 2020. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Coming up on that year. Um, so cool. Yeah. So I, I was writing about cannabis and parenting simultaneously. And then occasionally I would get sort of this crossover stories like how to talk to your kids about cannabis, that kind of thing. And as I became known as this cannamom uh, sort of authority, I guess, in my community, women started coming to me. How do I shop at the dispensary? I don't know, you know, the first thing about that space or... How do I use CBD for anxiety? You know, all these sorts of questions. And I thought, I'm actually well positioned to answer this now. Wow. Does it take bravery or does it just seem like that from where I'm sitting? That it, it seems like it must be like a courageous act to say, like, I have to suss people out before telling them what I, I do, do for a living, right? Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting place to be in, and I didn't expect to be there because I didn't have a book deal when I moved to Boise, Idaho. Wow. <laughs> I was just, you know, a little weed writer doing all my digital stuff, and then I got the book deal and decided, okay, let's go for it. This is it's now or never, and we live in Boise, but everything's changing, and, you know, we're moving toward more access more openness. It's happening. So now I feel like I'm on the front line again. Like in yeah. San Diego, I was like, oh, wow, this wave is happening. This is cool. Look all around. And then, you know, now I'm like, Oof, I'm on the front. But the it state. must feel important that you're on the front, right? Like it must feel pressing to you that you get the word out, right? It is. It is. Well, to me, reducing the stigma is a huge part of it. Um, you know, there's just so much that remains 
Have you experienced that? Well, I don't smoke weed. Is you don't the truth. smoke weed? You know what I, the reason why I found you is because I was, I love microdosing with psilocybin. Mm-hmm. I find it really supportive. Yeah. Yeah, it's really special and subperceptual, and mm-hmm. you know I, the, the fact that like Zoloft can be legal and psilocybin is yet to be is so like what like how? Um, it really is a travesty. I love psilocybin too. Yeah, and yeah. so um, you know I didn't I haven't seen so mu- many accounts on uh, you know on Instagram around the topic but there you were yeah yeah somehow somehow they 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 found me finding you and here we are and i'm so grateful for it also because this chick over here loves weed (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah and there is a stigma i mean part of the stigma is that is that it's illegal or that it was for a long time i noticed in your last post um that you said um that the war on drugs is basically to keep minority communities in their place, quote unquote, down. Yeah. 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 Can you elaborate on that for us? Yeah. So, I mean, the history of the war on drugs, first of all, if you look at cannabis prohibition in the 1930s, it was very much about xenophobia and racism. There were Mexican migrants coming from, you know, from the South to the Southwest states and bringing with them the custom of cultivating and consuming cannabis as like a way to help with physical pain, Mm. you know, ease the burden of labor, that sort of thing. Oh my God, ease the burden of labor! Right? Oh yeah! What? (laughs) (laughs) Well, physical labor and, I mean, I don't know about childbirth, but that would be cool. Labor as in work. As in work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would be interesting. Um, people, Some people use it that way today. It's very um, fringe. Okay. Um, but, you know, so at that time, there was a, a lot of xenophobic rhetoric, which uh, we can relate to today, um, you know. And they basically, there was a smear campaign that equate, equated cannabis with Mexicans, with, you know, undesirables, with um, also, and then it caught on in the jazz community. So then it was considered a black and brown people's drug, basically. And highly stigmatized, highly penalized, you know, even though we all know that cannabis is less harmful than so many other things, including legal things, including many pharmaceuticals, including alcohol. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even really, the truth is that I don't smoke pot. I, 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 it never really agreed with me as, as other plant medicines have, but like, it just seems so bizarre mm-hmm. that we would be like, you know, doling out Adderall mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not actual plants. Like what is happening? Um, so no, I haven't experienced the stigma myself, but even just mm-hmm. hearing you, this like amazing light-filled human mm-hmm. say like, I have to feel someone out before I tell them what I do for a living. And what I do for a living is actually helping other mothers be better mothers. I mean, yes, really. absolutely. I hear that like literally every day, either on Instagram or Facebook, or somebody just reaches out to me and says, "I'm a better parent because I microdose with cannabis mm. at the right moments, right dose, right you know product for you." There's like a lot of things to consider, obviously, and it's not while driving or rock climbing. I say, but right, 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 right. yeah, <laughs> but you know, right moments, right time, right product and dose, it can really change. 
people's perspective and especially parents, especially parents of little kids. Really? Tell me. I have little kids. Yeah, yeah, I know. So a lot of moms tell me that they get more present right. and more creative right. and they're less obsessed with their agenda and their to-do list and can like sit on the floor and play, you know, play blocks or do the things that their kids want them to do with more joy, with more mm. actual joy instead of, you know, I need to play with my kid now. Mm. Well, it can really feel... With full transparency, when you're, uh, you know, on the floor with a one or two year old and you have like emails to get to or you have to pee or you just don't want to be there anymore, it can really feel like you're trapped. Yeah. You yeah, know, it can be intense. Um, and I mean, and when you enjoy it, geez, that's so cool. When you could be in the flow <laughs> right. with a child, mm-hmm. when you can really access your inner child or even just like your own flow state. Exactly. With, uh, alongside your own little miracle human, it's really exciting. So whatever gets you there, <laughs> that's my that's my thing. Like whatever gets you there. I you know I see it as a tool. Like one of the ways that I get there is meditation, yoga. I was a yoga teacher for about fifteen years. I taught mm. in around Capitol Hill in D.C. and mm. really enjoyed that life for a while. Um, and I, I'm not teaching at the moment, but it's a huge part of my life. And I just I think that. Any way that we can incorporate more mindfulness, more ritual into our lives, it just helps us be better parents. And so for me, yoga is a tool, meditation is a tool, cannabis is definitely a tool. Yeah, like <laughs> how do you use it? Um, how do I use cannabis? Yeah. Uh, well, let me count the ways. <laughs> Eat it, smoke it, rub it on. Yeah, <laughs> great. Okay, cool. <laughs> Drink it. Um, okay, so I love CBD tinctures um, for kind of that like baseline calm that um, I, I just feel like if I have it if I have it regularly in my system, it nourishes my endocannabinoid system, which we all have. We have a system that interacts specifically with cannabis and endogenous cannabinoids that we create ourselves. Crazy. So crazy. So, I, I like only know about this from my d- deep dive into yours and some other um, cannamoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, accounts like you're sort of you're in conversation quite yes. a lot also which is really cool it's a nice yeah. community it is. Um, but I've never heard that before I, but I, you know what I have heard is like moms just like drinking themselves into you know mommy, mommy juice, juice. Yeah. it's wine o'clock yeah <laughs> and like apparently there's there are no receptors in your body that are like yeah alcohol <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that is a great point. Um, alcohol is toxic. It's literally toxic to so many of our organ systems, whereas cannabis nourishes our endocannabinoid system, again, in the right amounts. Like, you can overdo it. You can take the wrong dose, wrong product, all that stuff. But in the right amounts, it actually helps your body maintain homeostasis. Mm. Um, so eating, sleeping, um, sex drive, like all those sort of homeostatic functions, uh, the, the endocannabinoid system has a role in. Mm. Have you found that in the pandemic, people are more open to this type of medicine? I do. I Good. do. Okay. And I should I should continue that. Yes, I also smoke weed. I, I, I love to smoke weed. Great. Great. <laughs> I, I can get it legally. I just have to drive. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I fully support the legalized market. I think that whenever possible, you know, I, I encourage women to support the legal market. The taxes are higher. It costs a bit more. But you know that it's clean. You know that it's been tested, especially in California. State by state, it varies a little bit, but especially in California, and I think New York is going to be great on, the, on that too. Um, you know that it's free from fungi and molds and weird pesticides mm. that they used to use in the you know in the underground days, mm-hmm. and, and that is still used on the legacy market um, in some cases. So yeah, 
legal weed. I love to smoke weed. I love to take tinctures. <laughs> I rub it on my body whenever I have aches and pains and soreness. There are cannabis suppositories. Lubes. Yeah. Oh, okay. cannabis lubes. Yes. <laughs> We're on that. Brand. Oh, for you. I yeah. use that. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really fun stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I agree. So well, what's have... the suppository? What... So suppositories are meant for symptom relief, like, um, you know, premenstrual, <gasps> perimenopause, oh, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. cool. And it can be THC, CBD. There are other cannabinoids, too, that we're learning about. It's not just a THC, CBD game anymore. There's like all kinds of other cannabinoids we're getting more research and more anecdotal evidence on so people are using cbn and cbg and thcv and all like this alphabet soup why do you believe there is such a lack of um you know research around the topic yeah yeah that that is a great question so research for a long time that uh, any research on cannabis was looking for harm and they weren't going to do research on pregnant women because there's no ethical way to say like here take this you know, take this weed while you're pregnant, we'll see what happens. Right. <laughs> um, it can only be observational studies. So people who are already self-reporting use of cannabis. And it's hard to parse out that data because they didn't, you know, the researchers don't always collect other data. Like, are they using tobacco too? Are they using alcohol too? Um, what is the family situation? You know, is there, are there other factors contributing? So it's really hard to parse out like the actual effects of cannabis on pregnancy and for breastfeeding um, babies. Now the, the rules are starting to loosen up a little bit more, so re- more research is happening, and there are observational studies that I know of going on, um, on specifically pregnancy. But um, yeah, we're, we're still in kind of a desert when it comes to this stuff. Did you use it during pregnancy? No, I didn't. It wasn't a part um, of my life until <gasps> later. When did you, yeah. what, what, how did you get reintroduced to yeah. yeah. So I tell the story in chapter one of my um, unusual cannabis love story. Yay, let's do it. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> okay. Well, I grew up in Hawaii, and there's definitely weed there. Um, but it wasn't my thing. I didn't understand it. And that's why I think maybe not to push drugs on you, but I think that <laughs> if you try it again in the legal marketplace, you might have a different experience because a lot of people didn't understand it or didn't you know have the information to consume in a way that helped them really promote their own health right so you know i it was just i didn't like it then i met and married a stoner ah, Abby. <laughs> Abby. in my 20s and um and i was like okay it's part of who he is he's creative he's smart he's fun that's great but that's not my thing still um, what does he do He's just a, out of curiosity. Well, he's a project manager, but um, an aspiring screenwriter, actually. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, he's working cool. on it. Um, and so for a while, I was judgmental about his use because it would kind of get in the way sometimes of our my sense of intimacy with him or you know his, his work uh, progression, all that stuff. I have a little chapter in the book on what can go wrong because I want to cover the bases, you know? Thanks. And the fact is that you can overuse cannabis. I think that it's harder to overuse cannabis than a lot of other things, but you can still do it, you know? Mm-hmm, we, can, mm-hmm. we can overuse and abuse anything. So because of that, um, he, I was judgy about his use. He kind of started hiding it from me, and we had this weird dynamic for a little while. Then he gave it up altogether around the time that I got into freelance writing and was getting cannabis assignments, feeling very puzzled about that process because I was like, wait, that's not part of our lives now, and now it is. The thing is, I was introduced to cannabis from this intellectual perspective where I legit fell in love with it. Mm. It is so interesting, you know? 
covering bridging science, wellness, um, policy, social justice, right. business, you know, all these different and areas. And now motherhood. And now motherhood. And interpersonal lessons. relationships. and Totally. Yeah. Totally. So from an intellectual, I literally started writing about cannabis before I tried the, the adult use market before I, you know, dove in or was a cannabis myself. And when I was interviewing people for these pieces that I was writing, I was finding out, wow, like women and moms are using this for sleep, for mood, for better sex, for, um, you know, minor pain relief, things like that. Mm. And I was like, oh, I could use those things. <laughs> Like, I can definitely use those things, too. So um, I took this really, you know, small hit from a vape pen that I got in the store that I was really nervous about buying and um, got on my yoga mat and really just felt what it was about in my mm. body. I was like, what, what is this? I have to find out for myself. Mm. So, and I had a beautiful experience. It's like at once embodied and transcendent, I would say, where I felt literally in the flow of yoga the way that I, that I always strive for. And I realized this is a wellness tool. This is something that I've been missing out on. I can incorporate this in a, you know, in a mindful way and not a bong rips on the couch all day way. <laughs> and, uh, unless, you know, you want to sometimes. Yeah, unless you want to sometimes. <laughs> I like a good bong rip. Um, <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm saying that because that was so not my vibe for a long, long time. But damn, I do. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so awesome. How do you explain that to your kids? Like... Tell, walk us through this because they're 12, you said, and almost, eight? Almost 12 and just turned nine. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started talking to my kids a few years ago because I was writing more and more and because I, I was like, well, if, they're, if their friends' parents ever Google me, right. <laughs> like 0.3 seconds between my name and cannabis. So I wanted to get out ahead of that conversation a little bit. And we were still living in California, so I wasn't afraid of legal repercussions so much. But um, we started talking about how it's a plant, and I showed them pictures of the plant growing. I showed them actual, you know, flower, actual bud, because it's not going to do anything to them, you know. Right. It's just a plant. Um, there's actually a children's book called It's Just a Plant. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, I talked about how some adults use it for medicine, some adults use it for, you know, fun and relaxation, um, and that it's not good for young brains, and that if they were to eat It's not. It's not. No. So if they were to eat an edible, for instance, I mean, they they would feel sick. And also it's, it isn't good for the developmental processes, basically. Uh-huh. The research we have right now says that around 20 to 25 years of age, when the prefrontal cortex stops developing, is probably a good time to introduce if you're going to, but not necessarily prior. That's a bit late and maybe not realistic for everybody out there. Right, but right. just to keep in mind that you know brains are still under development until that time. So I tell them... You know, don't don't consume it. Don't use it. I keep my stash locked. I definitely have always padlocked things. Not because I am afraid that my kids would actually get into anything, but just I want to be 100% safe. Um, and I now that they're a bit older, I say when your friends start talking about it, when you start getting exposed, you know, to talk about cannabis in other spots, talk to me because I know what's way right. more. <laughs> I, 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 I know way more safety. than Jakey. All <laughs> exactly. right. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me first. I, I will give you the real, you know, the real info. Um, and I do talk also about the drug war and that it was racist. It is racist. And that, um, you know, we have certain privileges as white people when it comes to that. Yeah. There's a way that like if I were a woman of color living in Idaho, I wouldn't be open. I don't think. Probably not. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Oh, just letting that sink in, you know, <laughs> like, and thank God, thank God you, you are talking about this because it's important and yeah. I look forward to that like quarter or half a glass of wine yeah, a week of course when, you are. here and there of course when, you I was, are. when I was pregnant. I don't drink anymore though because it doesn't agree with me anymore and mm-hmm. cannabis has just taken that place for me. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, but uh, you know, just for clarity's sake, we did have the question if, um, if we was good in pregnancy and in breastfeeding yes. and it's a, it's a no, isn't it? The answer is we don't know. Um, we about two and a half percent of the THC that you ingest get, goes into breast milk, right. but we don't know what the effect that that two and a half percent of the THC does. Now there are cannabinoids in breast milk. There are literally cannabinoids that the mother c- makes in her own body and transfers to her baby in breast milk. Wow. So it's just like another very you know very similar molecule, but it's higher levels obviously than are naturally produced. So, what are cannabinoids? Just so we have a working definition. Yeah, I mean the basic components of cannabis. So THC is the most famous cannabinoid, right? Um, tetrahydrocannabinol, <laughs> and then CBD is the second most well known at this point. So they're just yeah, like the 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 molecules that are in some cases psychoactive, in some cases not, because CBD is not considered psychoactive, but right. it does alter your system. It you know absolutely affects the human body. And then there are um, you know, dozens, if not, you know, like about a hundred other cannabinoids, actually quite a few. Um, most of them quite minor, although we're starting to isolate some of them and synthesize them together to get larger amounts and seeing what they do. Like THCV, for instance, is a cannabinoid that, unlike THC, is supposed to suppress appetite. So THC oh. is <laughs> supposed to stimulate appetite. THCV is supposed to suppress it. So these cannabinoids can really work differently. Mm. Mm-hmm. And there are already cannabinoids in breast milk without ha- a mom having had smoked anything. Yes, the ones that we naturally create, endogenous cannabinoids. Wow. We create, yeah, two different kinds of cannabinoids that are circulating really through our system. And there's a theory, actually, that certain disease states um, arise from a, an endocannabinoid deficiency, an endogenous deficiency. Some people don't make as much. Um, so actually, one of the cannabinoids, endogenous cannabinoids, is anandamide, which is what you feel with that runner's high. Oh, amazing. Exactly. <gasps> right, because it is a high. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. ananda comes from the Sanskrit word for bliss, mm. anandamide. It was actually coined by um, an Israeli scientist, Raphael Mishulam. Nice. Mishulam. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I always felt... A little high after breastfeeding, actually, <laughs> which a lot of people do. Yeah, they oxytocin. say it's oxytocin, but it's not. It's not cannabinoid related. Um, I don't think so in that case because, um, yeah, no, not not because. Just I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> just checking. <laughs> do other parents shame your choices to use plant medicine or educate your own children on the topic? You know, I don't know if I've been extremely fortunate or the way that I present it is comforting or reassuring to people but honestly I educate I talk about responsible use I talk about keeping kids safe you know all of that stuff up front so that you know I never I never just like wave the green flag around be like woohoo weed everybody (laughs) not yet (laughs) not yet exactly um so I, uh, I have a whole chapter in the book actually about talking to your kids specifically, and I break it down by age because I think that's really important. And it, the message is the same, but it gets more complex, obviously, as they get older, age appropriate. Um, and then in terms of talking to other parents, I have not 
had a whole lot of judgment or stigma put on me. Um, maybe I'm just slipping under that radar or maybe, um, you know, it's just the way that I present it. But I really do go out of my way to talk about it as something that I use for wellness that enhances, you know, my life in a lot of ways. I talk about migraines because I do get migraines and cannabis helps tremendously with those. Mm. Whereas, you know, NSAIDs and all those, uh, you know, other pain medications really messed up my digestion. So I can't do them as much anymore. Wow. I'm just like sort of in awe of your mission, you know, (laughs) and how it's taken you. What do you hope for when it comes to Mm. cannabis and you know, where do you see yourself sort of speaking on this topic? Like where, where can we, you know, where can we get more of this education out there? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, so the book was my, you know, initial contribution to that space. And now with my platform on Instagram, what I'm trying to do is basically educate, raise awareness and destigmatize showing that, you can be a responsible parent, a, you know, a good and loving and present parent, show up for your career, you know, do you know, a boss job at your career, and be a cannabis lover at the same time. Just to like just to show those three things coexisting, I think. Like, you know, good mom, good parent, good partner, um, you know, succeeding in your in your work and cannabis consuming. I think that it's like just that is like cognitive dissonance for some people, like putting those three things together. It's so interesting because I have I have two amazing dad friends. Amazing. They are so special, handsome and patient and fun and loving and responsible and they they earn a living and they're potheads, you know? We don't think twice about it. Yeah, I know. The stigmas are really different for moms. It's funny. Yeah, like I get comments sometimes like, what about the weed dads? We need something. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe, but. Do we? (laughs) Do we need something for the weed dads? Like, or are they fine? Like, you know, like, what is the difference, do you see, this stigma-wise or cognitive dissonance-wise? Because doesn't it make total sense to you that there are these dads that I know who are like creative and awesome and... No one thinks twice about them being high all day, every day. Just a fun dad. Just a fun dad. Yeah, that, I mean, if it was the exact same thing, but a mom and you said that she's high all day, I think people would be like, oh, really? You know? Um, Well, I think mothers are held up to a different moral standard than other humans, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. We have this, this notion that moms should be, I don't know, completely nurturing present and obviously you can do that with cannabis but people don't understand that like i don't know there's this like purity ideal i think that we have around motherhood yeah which is weird which is just not attainable actually it's not attainable for anyone right exactly it's like as soon as you become a mother like you don't have (laughs) you don't have all of your interests and appetites no you do (laughs) well i think you, you talk about the the war on drugs being you know a way to well, it being um, racially motivated, but that same system would love to keep women <laughs> as second-class citizens, no matter what their skin color is, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, that yeah. same patriarchal system is pretty damning of women. It is. Isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, there's there's just narrower set of acceptable behavior, I think, for women and for men, and then it narrows even more when you're a mother. And so... 
I have I did find you in this sort of I don't know maybe there were four or five of you mm-hmm. yeah so uh, all over the country there are these you call them canon moms tell me more yeah 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 what what is this wave of human <laughs> <laughs> Instagram has been a really interesting place to connect with other canon moms and have this canon mom community there are some uh, canon moms who have like a ton of followers my friend Bianca high society mama she's got like 52,000 followers or something Mm. and she absolutely you know every day she's out there saying you know f the stigma (laughs) um you know I'm thriving I'm happy I'm a good mom this is my life basically and people have really resonated with that and women from all different parts of the world so she's in Michigan I know a bunch of women in California Oregon east coast now is popping up getting hotter (laughs) around here too and I think that, you know, we're all in our own ways just repeating the same message. Like, you can do this responsibly. There's a lot about the legal marketplace that um, I think will appeal to women that didn't appeal about the, the legacy market, the illicit right. market. Right. You know, not knowing what you're getting, not knowing how potent it is, you know, or how it was grown or any of that stuff. And also only having, like, the choice of butter flour, right, usually on the legacy market. Mm. Now, you don't have to smoke it at all. There's a ton of ways to consume, and you can precisely dose, which is so helpful for moms, you know, so helpful for me. I wasn't just going to, like, smoke a bowl of something thing and you know see how it landed and then try to parent my kids like I need to know (laughs) yeah what I'm consuming and what its effects will be so that's a huge advantage of the legal marketplace and yeah this community is growing it's and it's new but uh, it's pretty exciting actually is it not around the world I mean I I hear that people are popping up around the country but what about the rest of what about the rest of the globe? How are they doing about all this? Well, certainly Canada, because they federally legalized yeah. in 2018. And so I do know a bunch of Canadian Canada moms who say that they don't have any legal worries, but the stigma is still there uh-huh. for moms. Um, so they're, they're working on that. They're fighting that. Here, we're working on stigma and legalization still. Right. Um, and then around the world, I do hear from women. I hear from women in the UK, in Australia, in South America, a couple different spots. And I just basically hear things like, I wish I had that access or, you know, or I do have that access and I just feel terrible about it. I felt terrible about it until now. I thought I was a bad mom for consuming. And now I'm starting to look at that differently. But like, what if someone was on Prozac? God bless Prozac. I mean, it saved so many lives. Like yeah. what, what would we ever, I mean, I guess we did stigmatize that. For a bit, yeah. For a bit, we did. I mean, remember, remember Brooke Shields? That yes. was terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank God we're on the other side of that. I mean, maybe that was the beta version of accepting medicine from the earth. How is a mom or a person even supposed to travel with their medicine if you can't just openly travel with it? Oh, right. It does. I mean, it makes it less accessible um, to use as medicine or to rely on as medicine. To rely on mm-hmm. daily you or still weekly. can't fly with, with oh. cannabis. Um, even though TSA is not like specifically looking for it, I just don't recommend it. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that's, yeah. I mean, what I would love to see, what I really want around yeah. that is to actually free the plant. And that means like allow for home cultivation, allow people to develop mm. a relationship with the plant medicine. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you only get your product in a tube or something or in, you know, some kind of form that doesn't look anything like the plant, it's maybe, um, I don't know, I'm a hippie. So... <laughs> 
I think that there's just more like wholeness and you know positive intention setting if you actually like have a physical relationship with the plant and that it doesn't need to be this huge commercial transaction it can be something Mm. that you know it can be just something like an herb that you grow at home and use as needed do you grow your own I don't because the penalties are very high where I live (gasps) wow did you in California no I've never had the chance to cultivate actually but like I I, but I've been on farms and I've worked with the plant but I haven't had my own actual plant grow at home in my psychedelic research um I did see that this magazine, Double Blind, will talk about how you can plant and grow your own mushrooms. Yes, yes. I write about that for them sometimes. But are the penalties not very high for that? So... (laughs) I guess because it's a mushroom? Gray area. Um, It is specifically decriminalized. Psilocybin is specifically decriminalized in certain places, right? So in certain cities in California, the whole state of Oregon, um, very in D.C., they just did a decriminalized campaign with the last election. So it's happening. It's like in in pockets all around. So there's that. You can buy the spores online to cultivate your own mushrooms because it's actually legal in some places. Um, And what was the rest of your question? I was just wondering if you know, why it's legal to grow mushrooms, but not... Right. It isn't legal, really, to grow mushrooms Mm. if you're in a place where it's not, where it's not decriminalized or not legal. Mm. But you can get the mushroom growing kit in one place and you can get the spores for scientific or research purposes in another place and then Mm. you can put them together. Right. That would be like a lot more financially, like, smart, right? Mm -hmm. Because it could get expensive. Mm -hmm. I've done it. Oh, yeah? Uh Yeah. I think it would just be hard for... um, you to get in trouble necessarily for just growing and consuming at home unless there is some sort of public <laughs> um, declaration of that. I'm, so, I'm, I'm shocked to hear that that you would get in such trouble if you, well, I guess because your pub, your, you know, your public persona is like so um, clear yeah. that if you were growing it at home, that would be unsafe or not, not ill-advised. Right. Wow. Do you have any advice for how they can mindfully, if they are going the consumer route, they're going to a dispensary, how can they how can they make like informed decisions once they're inside and not get caught up in like, you know, there's a lot going on in, in a dispensary, so. For sure. I love that question and I dedicate a lot of space in the book to that basically because it's so, it can be overwhelming walking into, I feel like a kid in a candy store when I walk into a dispensary mm-hmm. and it's like, but so many products, how do you choose? So it's helpful to, you know, do a little reading or research ahead of time, know what you're looking for because it's not one size fits all. So what do you want from cannabis? Do you want to sleep better? Do you want to just relax? Do you want to replace alcohol with it for, you know, see how that works for you? Are you looking for, you know, a, a way to focus and get more creative with your work? Like well, there are so many different uses so I would start by asking yourself those questions and then of course how do you want to consume are you comfortable with smoking if not there's all kinds of other um, consumption so inhalation is the quickest onset but you don't have to smoke you can vaporize or um, vape so vape is like the liquid juice the THC uh, Mm -hmm. distillate in there but vaporizing I recommend because it's using whole flour in a device that doesn't combust it so it doesn't light it on fire it just heats it enough to create a vapor that you inhale so it's a nice taste and it's that quick and quick onset with inhalation so anyway that's a side note (laughs) decide how you want to consume so are you comfortable smoking or inhaling do you want to eat it do you want to drink it do you want to rub it on your body do you want to put it somewhere else (laughs) (laughs) 
Do you? Do you? Yeah, you do. <laughs> For you, I guess. So there's that. And then, of course, just, um, you know, once you get there, you can bring the book with you. Think about mm-hmm. the wellness uses that you might want to use it for. Think about um, also talk to bud tenders. Some know a lot and some don't, so it is a little bit hit or miss. But hopefully, you'll get some good advice there. And then always make sure you understand the dosing of the product that you get. And that's a big thing. The dosing. I mean, it is a little experimental, right? You'd have to try it and then, you know, parent at the same time. If parenting is what's on the schedule for the day, right? <laughs> right. So that's why we have the mantra, start low and go slow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's and I talk about a method for finding your sweet spot in my book because you, yeah, you do have to start lower probably than you're going to be comfortable with. Maybe the first couple times you won't really get to where you want to be and you're like, what's the point of this? Maybe I should double it. No. <laughs> double is not the next step? Double is not how you do it. It's, so it's an incremental dosing, you know, with T, it's different with THC and CBD, but for THC, two and a half milligrams, if it's an edible, can be a low dose for many people. If people are especially sensitive to THC, you can even start with one milligram. One milligram is so little, but some people feel it. Mm-hmm. Some people have to go all the way up to 20, 25, 50 wow. milligrams to really feel it. So there's quite a range. Does it um, depend on weight? To a degree, but it also depends on um, a liver enzyme. <gasps> She's so cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so because when you ingest cannabis, um, it turns it from delta-9 THC to 11-hydroxy THC, which is metabolized a little differently and felt a little differently. That's why many people with edibles get that like body high more than they get the like mental high. So, right. Yeah, different products, different effects. So I hope that answers the question, you know, think about what you're looking for, think about how you want to consume it, just keep asking questions, understand your dose, start low, go slow. (laughs) In your most recent post that I saw, you were saying that you're taking some time away from the hustle and stepping more into your feminine, and I just, it really resonated with me. The first time Laura and I spoke, we were just talking about, and maybe it's in the air, maybe it's what we've all been through. Um, in the last couple of years, but like, it's been a slog. I think if you're in a in a female body, identifying female, there might be a call to feel more feminine. And I, I'm curious what that means to you. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so it's kind of essentialist, to, of course, to say masculine and feminine. But I say course, it because we all, you know, I believe that we have these energies mm. mixed within and. You know, so it's not purely biological, but yeah, I've been operating in this masculine, like go, 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 push forward, strive, you know, get it out there way, which is great. I think that that energy was needed to get my, to sort of launch my book into the world and out myself as a mom, <laughs> which is basically, you know, what I've done. And when I was writing about cannabis, I wasn't necessarily talking about my own consumption. I mean, it, as I said, it, it must take a lot of courage and a lot of <laughs> balls, right? We would call it yeah. balls right. <laughs> to, to put yourself out there in this way, to claim your right to be yourself, exactly. really. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I think the Instagram culture also can be pretty like go, 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 push forward and keep, you know, keep producing content and all that stuff, which can be fun and creative. And I can be in that flow, too. But if I'm not feeling that flow for a little bit, I know that I need to take a step back because my creativity as a writer really comes from reflection and it comes from time 
you know, away from all of the inputs and all of the screens. I have to have all that stuff to know what I want to think, you know, what subjects are interesting and what other people are thinking, but to know what I think yeah. and to produce something that I feel good about. I just need to kind of, you know, set some boundaries. So that's that that feminine flow I'm trying to jump into right now. So you're going to set some boundaries around, like, Instagram or your is – that, is that yeah, the intention? Yeah, just all, all social media for a little bit and um, – you know, I, I think I'm trying to step into a little more of a, like, what's, you know, a receiving mode. Like, mm. if people come to me, I am happy to respond, right? I don't mm-hmm. necessarily need to, like, chase and push everything. Mm. Um, but I'm sure I'll be back in that, like, <laughs> masculine chase flow at some point, too. Well, that's that's fun also. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Totally. Um, I'm really feeling that that a more receptive mode yeah. also. Um is it the weather too? Is it winter for you? You know, isn't that amazing that you say that? And here we literally went out and found you to come all the way <laughs> to New York City to like teach us, you know, to, like your ways to, yeah. It's amazing that you cast that spell and here, here it is manifest. The universe provides. The universe does provide. Like, I have to trust that because, you know, I can get so in my head about making things fall into place and knowing what the steps are. And when I when I have a sense of the big picture, but I also give myself a chance to step back and be in that flow, it, it works so much better. Yeah. 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 Or, or to play between the two energies, like we were talking about. I'm wondering um, what it was like writing the book. I wrote most of this during the first couple months of lockdown. Oh, with two kids at home? How? (laughs) Well, okay, serendipitous, sort of, I guess, in that my husband was unemployed at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, We had moved, and he had stayed in San Diego to keep working, and I had moved with the kids, and finally we're like, okay, this long-distance thing is too hard. Like, the kids need us, need you, you know, need us to be together. So he quit his job and came to us and was still looking for a job when the pandemic hit. Um, so he took over parenting. Like he literally did breakfast, lunch, and dinner, homeschool, wow. dog walks. Like he supported me big time to, to, to let this happen. Mm. I wrote maybe a third of it probably before the lockdown because for the book proposal and stuff, you know, you've got to have sample chapters. Yeah. But the majority of it was those first few months and it was incredibly intense because we were all living through this anxious really you know housecape time yeah there yeah. you go <laughs> and yeah and and at this so i was consuming all that news and i was consuming all the cannabis you know, information and doing oh, all I these cannabis saying, interviews i was consuming all that news and i was consuming all that cannabis that and, too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to balance it out <laughs> yeah but you know but i was also working like you know i was writing 10 12 sometimes 14 hours i was really really focused and a couple of times in there i did have to rent an Airbnb, sanitize mm. it from, you know, top to bottom because we didn't know what the hell was going on then and we thought you needed to do that and to just stay away from my family, literally not in the same house in order to finish. Mm. Yeah. What's your favorite part of the book? Mm. Um, so it is somewhat autobiographical in the sense that I tell my own story um, and I, I weave it in throughout, but mostly it's in the beginning, um, the first chapter. And I enjoyed writing that even though there's actually some hard stuff in there. You can... Read it later and just come tell me what you think. What is my favorite part of the book? I think uh, preface intro chapter one in the last chapter because they're big picture. 
Yeah. It's about like the vision, you know, why is this important and where do we go from here? And I actually think it's important to embrace cannabis. Um, not everyone needs to, obviously, but I think that we can help shape this new industry in really positive ways mm. if we are educated about how to do that, mm-hmm. how to make good choices, You know, buying weed from people who um, were negatively impacted by the, the war on drugs, who get legacy mm. uh, licenses, social, social equity licenses. So you know, buy weed from women, buy weed from BIPOC people. Wow. Um, yeah. And also there's an environmental impact to cannabis. Indoor versus outdoor grown, huge debate in the cannabis world. Um, and generally I support sun grown if it can be done in, uh, you know, in a good climate. You don't want to do sun grown in Minnesota or something because it's not going to work. Only hemp would work there, but the high THC cultivars wouldn't. Um, but... <laughs> I love you. But I think, you know, if, if people have the tools to make good choices, we can we can get more environmentally friendly, just a greener in, a greener industry yeah. <laughs> and a more equitable industry. And I am an optimist. So that's the way I, you know, I see it. And I want to encourage people, obviously, big money's in cannabis, too. And there's you know, there are all kinds of regulatory issues and environmental issues. And it's not a perfect industry. But I also think that if more people embraced plant medicine, not just cannabis, maybe it's psilocybin too, maybe it's some other ones, we could maybe evolve our consciousness a little bit, connect better with others, be more at home in ourselves. That that would make all the difference, right? I think so. I, I'm also really taken by the fact that it's a mom-centered book and the reason why I'm taken with it not only because I'm a mom this is like a mom curious podcast (laughs) but because it feels deeply feminist Mm -hmm. you're not just writing about weed for weed's sake you're saying like you deserve it too babe yeah (laughs) you deserve to feel good you don't Absolutely. have to be everyone's martyr. In fact, please don't be. Please don't be. Yeah, you're not serving your children even by being a martyr. I, that's that's my perspective. I mean, I'm not going to tell other people what to do. But absolutely, empowering women is a huge motivation for this. I want women to feel empowered to make you know conscious choices about their health and the way that they you know relax and 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 or medicate. Mm. And like those, you know. The, the clan of canamoms <laughs> that I've been like so, you know, taken with and tickled by. But um, are you in conversation with the, the weed accounts in general or is it specific to moms? You know, like it, it's really sort of interesting to me that we'd have to be we'd have to drill down so specifically to not just not even just women, mm-hmm. not girls, but if you're a mother, here's your permission slip almost, right. you know, to engage in this holistic healing plant, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting um, community. I would say that I am, I am connected to some of the bigger weed accounts and weed brands and things like that, but I absolutely gravitate toward women-owned mm. and, um, you know, and or BIPOC-owned. I want to, you know, I just want to, uplift people who need the upliftment you know like who need that um in in the way that i talk about cannabis in the way that i um, encourage or promote you know the mindful consumption of cannabis do you use it as like a bonding tool between you and your husband now well he doesn't consume wow 
I know. Plot Funny, twist. Funny, right? <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> yeah, he's he's all done. Um, so closer to the mic. Closer to the closer mic. to the mic. Okay. Um, but I think that it's helped our marriage. I actually, I think the perfect combo is. I smoke weed and he doesn't. Nice. <laughs> we're, we're closer. We connect better. It's great. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, and like give Truly. them a couple of years and their kids are going to be smoking with them. So. Definitely. And how will yeah, you? More than a couple, but yes. More than a couple. <laughs> 25 years, let's say. Wait, that's how, they, how old they have to be. So 13. 13 years. more years. Yeah, okay, fine. Okay, got it. Got it. I, I did the math. I, I'm listening. <laughs> did you smoke while you wrote the book? Oh, yeah. But not, I mean, simultaneously in my life, but not really while writing. THC is, in very low doses is a performance enhancer for me. There's a lot of talk right now. Is cannabis a performance enhancer? Um, Depends what performance. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. so somebody was like, for what? Watching TV? Or- <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> No, it is a performance enhancer in in microdoses for me. So sometimes I will, but mainly if I'm writing, it's CBD um, or another cannabinoid, CBG. It helps me with my migraines. Um, THC is more of my like muse and be creative and think and ponder, even if it's also work related. But I can, you know, I can consume some THC, take a walk, and then ideas come, and I take out my phone and you know write down. I'm down on my ideas. So it's good for, for creativity. It's good for kind of big picture thinking. Um, it's also really good for transitions for me. Like mm. letting more. go. Yeah, like moving from work brain to mom brain, from mom brain to sexy brain later on, mm. you know, that sort of thing. Those those moments to like, because it's actually a ritual for me to consume, you know, taking my, you know, my materials, my glass, my, you know, my plant material, grinding it up, putting it in the, you know, going to my spot, putting on the air purifier. It's like, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's you time. Yeah, it's totally. And, and I, and I consciously say, okay, I'm letting go of my emails and my work to do lists and I'm, I'm shifting into the mode where I can do homework, you know, not do, but help with homework or um, make dinner with my daughter or something. And yeah, yeah, just those transitions are really helpful. Where can we find you? Where can we find your book? Yes, I am at Danielle Simone Brand on Instagram. And that's where I'm the most active around the book. I'm also on other platforms, though. And my book is available anywhere you buy books. I I don't need to say the big A name, but you can buy it there. (laughs) But you can also ask your local bookstore to carry it which is a wonderful way to help them and authors uh, or anywhere else you buy your books online. Did we miss anything? Um, talking to kids, um, partners. So why don't I tell you what the chapters are, the titles are, or the, um, so I have. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. So that if anything sparks your interest. Sure. There's the basics of cannabis. There's Beyond Reef Madness. There's history. There's science, um, mm. specifically cannabis and parenting, talking to kids about cannabis, when things go wrong, sex, social life. You know, moms, mom curious that like want to give it another shot or want to give it a shot for the first time. You know? I want to give it a yeah. shot. I'm not saying I'm not going to give it a shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> saying like it was not really my thing. It wasn't, it's not my thing thing. Yeah, like I get really paranoid. Really paranoid. <laughs> I get really okay. anxious. 
Well, I mean, the first thing is prevention, you know, preventing that from happening just by going, starting low and going slow. Like if Mm. you really do that, it's hard to get to a place where, you know, you'll be uncomfortable. You will, because it's so incremental. Um, And CBD is good for balancing out the anxiety of THC. So I always recommend, you know, most flower strains these days are high THC, low CBD. Mm. Um, They're not very balanced. And so if you want CBD, you really need to seek it out in some other form, whether it's smokable, which there is smokable CBD, or a tincture, you know, edible, something like that. So that will go a long way. Um, and then, you know, th- I have I have a little bit about what to do if you get too damn high. <laughs> There's all kinds of strategies. But basically, you know, it passes. Just don't overdo it. The, the vast majority of things that go wrong with cannabis is from either, you know, having crappy stuff because it was grown with a bunch of pesticides or whatever, or just taking too much. So... You know, find your sweet spot, and it's pretty smooth sailing for most people. Even if they don't love it and don't want to do it again, it's not going to be a terrible experience if they're incremental. I, I have someone who like does the micro doses for me, so I don't. Oh know. yeah, no, that's the only way. So it's always consistent. Yeah. So it's always consistent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I have done it where like I grind it up, and but that that. Anybody's that, that got me into trouble. <laughs> that was pre-babies, but that got me into trouble. The one time I had an agent meeting and I was like, ooh, that definitely went wrong. That They're not signing me. And honestly, I can't blame them. <laughs> just yeah. a, it's just a little just too much. a little much. too much. Yeah. Yeah. Too much. So we also say use it in low stakes moments. Maybe not when you're about to go Oops. <laughs> to a call. But anyway, um, yeah. So that, if... if if women, moms, potential moms are worried about their ability to parent fully while experimenting with cannabis, then just, you know, start when you're not actively parenting. Start when your kids are asleep for the night and there's another parent there who can help out. Um, you know, there are lots of ways to acclimate yourself to it so that you so that it's a reliable feeling. Um, because I can microdose during the day, very easily hit my sweet spot without going over into that, I'm just tired and I want to, <laughs> you know, have some cookie dough ice cream. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, a lot of a lot of friends I know, it's their bedtime ritual, mm-hmm. and and it's bonding for them and their partner, which is really sweet, really sweet. It is. It's bonding for me um, for me with my kids actually at bedtime because mm. I'm so much more patient. I don't want to just like rush through it and get the hell out of there, you know. Mm. <laughs> like I, I snuggle. We get, I get into bed with each of them, mm. and they still want to do that, which I love. Oh my god, that's so nice. <laughs> and Yay. we just you know snuggle for a few minutes, and they sometimes get really chatty at that time and tell me about their day in ways that like when I pick them up from school and say how is your day, fine, whatever, let's get home. Yeah, like right before bed, I know it's kind of amazing, like in that like sleep wake consciousness like all of a sudden even my four and a half year old would be like hey mommy and super chatty like burst of like I love you I just wanted to tell you how much I love you and like did you know that six plus six equals twelve <laughs> you know it's so sweet that is so when sweet. you can enjoy it when, mean, you, can when enjoy you don't have somewhere to be yeah when you're in the headspace to enjoy it what do you think is a good amount of hours if it was someone that was like a new doing a test run what's like a good amount of time to give them so it does vary a bit, but um, inhalation typically is one to three hours for the outside. Like if you've really smoked a lot or you're really sensitive to, to THC, edibles take half an hour to an hour and a half, even two hours to kick in. Oh my God. So, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> so ter- you guys, it's terrifying to me. I'm going to be straight up. <laughs> <laughs> but if 
start letting go slow, the kicking in is so mellow. It's right, so, so right, mellow. Right, right. Yeah, you don't have to be afraid. <laughs> but I get it. I get it. I'm very afraid. <laughs> I was. I was too. That's why, you know, I, I got a vape pen. When I first started, I got a vape pen that literally dispensed two and a half milligrams of inhalable, which is so little THC. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what's going to happen? Two and a half milligrams. And nothing happened. It was chill. Yeah. Here we are. A book <laughs> happened. That's what happened. Yeah. Danielle, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Daniela. It is such a pleasure to be here and oh to meet gosh. you. Oh my gosh, it's like my honor to have you and to have your book. Yay! Weed Mom, guys, check it out. <laughs>